and then it's like they come to first year university and it's like okay here's your assignment uh please find uh peer-reviewed articles on jstor submit it and people are like what is it what the fuck is a computer <laughs> like not that yeah but like but like you have learners who have gone the entire schooling system not even touching a computer then they come to university and that gap is so huge and Aiden says they struggle bruh some people must do assignments on their phones using the microsoft yeah. word app like and then they don't even have their own phones and must wait till their mothers come home so they can use the phone that's bad bruh he was saying also the lecturers are a bit insensitive because they're so used to mm. especially the older ones especially the older ones it's just like they assume you know the internet how to use it it's like people are quoting from wikipedia and, and aiden's like no bruh that you can't you can't like <laughs> but also then people don't know like how to use mm. a computer like how to put a presentation together how to do like a google docs if they're doing group work like simple stuff yeah because like you that. didn't have access to that in high mm. school didn't have so, access to that so not only school. must you worry about your course now now you must learn how to learn the tools like yes it's sad bro and now you still just write your assignment on a piece of paper and then you hand it in yeah and you're still hustling on campus so like there's not even space for like a part-time gig part-time job or mm. assistant and yeah guys Except, okay wait so before i before i dropped off i asked mk if he didn't sleep because he got that you got like the eyes of a sloth today bro i don't know what's happening i think i didn't have my iron tablets today Um, but i did sleep do you have a cat you look like you have no two guinea pigs and three fish and two feral children and a and a yeast <laughs> infection <laughs> wait i'm actually gonna go drink it now keep talking okay okay um like 80 of the workforce are in that position no one how many people actually work a job that they love and enjoy that they get up in the yeah. morning it's like except andrik you know <laughs> but i mean like yeah but uh, so obviously i'm speaking from a place of privilege but i just don't want to i just don't want my kids to see their dad go through uh, this thing i was reading this thing yeah. of like as it was a study that that showed that kids uh, kids would rather prefer parents who are in careers that are happier than have more contact time with them than mm. parents who are in jobs that they hate and they can see it and they see them all the time not to show mm. if that makes sense because you become a more vibrant joyous person right. yeah yeah i that think I, i don't know i think that's real mental and and yes and yes on the one hand it is like from a position of privilege to say i don't want to do this thing that's making me unhappy but it's also Definitely. it's also like your it's your health it's your family well-being there's so many elements to it that you know yes yes it's from a point of privilege but it's also from a point of like self preservation and survival at some point as well i would like I to mean, ask you about um sorry we i i think we're just going into a topic here i want to okay. ask you about because you the union guy <laughs> uh, if you're listening uh walton <laughs> is a uh, very much an active member in his uh union on campus uh with the grad students and of late they've been making some good moves and some uh noise they've been vocal in certain changes and some shit has actually been done so big ups to you bro and everyone at the grad union um at um, brown um i wanted to ask you because i kept thinking about these companies that foster um staff and and the staff big like you can have tesla warehouses amazon all these 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 things are now going next into the peloton situation where they laid off 2000 yeah standard odd employees yeah. literally overnight um Wild. 
That should be, but before you enter the work of the world of work at a university level, whether it's in your last year, there should be a module or a thing on unionizing, regardless of what level you are. You might be doing your MBA or your management course. You still should know why a union is vital for the employees that are probably going to be below you, right? Ground floor. Because what you always have is like, Management is there to serve the organization, right? Protect it, HR as well. And the staff should have representation, okay? Yeah. But I think if that is taught, because why is it always that people are learning about unions only when they need to know about it? Like at that late stage, like at a later stage, whereas young, like it should be, it should be vital, especially in the trade. If you're doing, if you're at CPUT and you're doing plumbing, you're doing uh, mechanical, you're doing all these things, artisanal things that are, you're probably going to be in a warehouse. You're probably going to be in a factory that you should know, Hey guys, this is an option because the corporations won't, won't spare money in, 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 um, trying to convince you that union unionizing is bad they will spend a shitload to try yeah. so i wanted to know what your thoughts are wilton on um union education um as a pre as a pre cursor or like a, a a preventative measure before entering the work of world business the world yeah you know so, I mean, I think there's like one, there's one simple response to this. And then there's probably like layers and layers under that. The simple response is that institutions don't want to educate people because then it means they have a workforce that is informed about their workers' rights, about, you know, labor, fair labor practices, um, you know, rights for for. Uh, worker parents and you know all, all of these things so I think like on the one hand it's not in the interest of corporations and institutions but also in, in uh, and uh, it's also not in the favor of the state to to really uh, push a an education um, around unions I think it's absolutely vital though. Like, I think you're 100% right in, in that it's vital that we learn about unions in the same way that we should be learning about how the hell does taxes work at school level, right? Like we need to, we need to know these kinds of things so that when it comes to being out and to be part of those structures, we at least have a baseline understanding of how they work. So what, so what, I've encountered here in the States at, at Brown, but at other institutions as well, is a largely one-sided uh, education on what a union is, what a union does, how a union functions in society. And, and that one side is very much like the side of cooperation, the side of institution, the side of of capitalism, um, which is like, no, we are a family. We don't need unions. Unions only get in the way. They, yeah. only, they don't serve to help the workers. They only serve to um, create tension and, and all of these things. I, sorry to butt in, but I like that 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 phrase. Oh, we have family. We we run yeah. out. We, but because right. we look right. after one another. But, but, but does a dad kick the children out the house when he loses his job or when times are tough? No, bruh. We, right. we all hustle. There was one right. time. A few months ago that Brow fired people on, uh, I think it was like some kind of yeah, travel agent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zoom. He fired hundreds of people on a Zoom call, bruh. Like collectively. Yeah. You're not going to be an employee of our corporation tomorrow morning. Yeah. So sign off and delete. <laughs> like yeah. this evening. Is yeah. We are family here, but then family, but when times are tough, then you let family go. No, bruh. Like, I, I don't like that. Like, also, I don't want to be part of a family. I want to be part of a, a company. I have a yeah. family. I have <laughs> like, a family. 
those Peloton okay. rows as, as part of their severance package, they got a, a subscription to Peloton. Like, like, I why? Why I can't pay I my rent. <laughs> I can't pay rent with the subscription. Yeah, like why would I even why would I even want to like look at that shit another day in my life after all of this, bro? Yeah, man. I don't know, MK, what's your thoughts on on pre on preemptive? Because it's for me, it's all like in my life, I've always had to stumble on these things when the shit hits the fan. Like, yeah, like with finances, with tax, with with like contractual stuff. Yeah. Like, hey, I didn't know that. Hey, let me find out quickly. Or like, let me try. So like prevent pre- pre- preemptive education, kind of what you say, gives a baseline, gives like a kind of okay more or less these things are at your disposal legally within yeah. the country that you live in like you are I will to- say, just before just before mk jumps in i will say that i think south africa is um like in a lot of ways south africa is far far ahead of other countries in terms of these kinds of conversations because like union stuff is in the public discourse yeah like of course we have like antagonistic relationships between corporations and institutions and unions and between unions themselves we see it with with the, with the teachers unions often there's like a lot of tension between these <clears throat> unions but at least yeah. it's it's part of the conversation since we were kids already i don't know if it's like this for everybody but like but i think for us the three of us and and aiden and, and a lot of other people and i think for like most poor black people unions are yeah. always part of the conversation somewhere because of the anti-apartheid struggle the you know the post-apartheid moment all of that but anyway sorry i just wanted to insert that thing. like so what are your thoughts mk like on so know? so so my perspective on this is is very much the same as 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 the three of you where we grew up with unions in in our vicinity like i would go to satu meetings with my mom you know yeah, um, and I would under, I would understand that okay, cool. This is a thing where uh, the teachers might work for the government, but there's this group of people that look after what the teachers need, basically in that working space. But from my perspective now, working in the media, like from being a journalist writing the stories, and from um, now being the one that reads the stories to the people, there's almost a shift now in the last 10 years or so, I would say, from unions being a necessity to unions in the public eye very often being seen as a nuisance. Yeah. And I but I think I think that it's I think that it is based on the fact that and it's I mean it's necessary. Marches, protests and strikes are tools that a union uses, but the way that it's become framed, it's an inconvenience. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's something that stalls the machine from working. So, for instance, if, um, if Kasatu decides they're going to march today, that means that there's going to be maybe a thousand more extra people on the train and people are going to say, oh, no, but that was such an inconvenience and that's going to have a negative impact on on how unions are perceived. And also this, mm-hmm. now, now that the internet is what it is, I mean, even 10 years ago, it isn't what it, what it, what it has become now where people um, live their complete lives online and share everything that they feel and, every, and whoever you might be, it gets taken as valid. Your opinion gets taken as fact, as a, as a, posit- as a, a proper lived experience, right? And now unions are, not necessarily vilified, but it's almost this almost a, a, a shameful thing to to be part of a union, but it's never outright said. Because in South Africa, unions are for people that work labor. Right? Yeah. That's that that is the perception. You 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 don't have a union for people that are white collar. You don't have a union for people that work in the media. Even though they are, but they're not. They're not out there. They are, they are, wasn't they a big, big strike by actors, SABC actors, not so long ago, or quite a, like yeah, two yeah, years ago? Yeah, there was a year, yeah. And they yeah, un- two or three yeah. years ago. They have a union, yeah. uh, perf- like performing arts or... Yeah, performing yeah. arts unions, there's, there's writers unions. Because they, uh, they weren't paying like actors from like Isidingo, 
Yeah, yeah. Generations, I remember yeah, was yeah, a big generations, one. Yeah, generations, Mugongo, yeah. and that's why I had to switch to the new generations and most of yeah. that initial uh, cost left and all of that stuff. Yeah. But look here, so I wanted like, to. Sorry, I thought. No, 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 I wanted to. I wanted to say like I think that in the post-apartheid moment, I think the fact that Kusatu is in a tripartite alliance with with the. Communist Party and the ANC, I think that was, that is also a major part, plays a major part in like public opinion waning yeah. in relation to um, unions. I mean, I think there's like, there are, there are unions that are doing, that have done interesting work and especially in the the lead up to Jacob Zuma uh, leaving the presidency. I think like uh, Numsa was doing interesting yeah. stuff. The, the, the mine workers union and the metal workers union were doing interesting stuff. But I think Kasatu, so Kasatu is the Congress of South African trade unions. It's like an umbrella body for a lot of unions that a lot of unions kind of report to and yeah. organize with and so on just for you know the international audience that needs context. I think the I think a major problem is that a union that is supposed to be representing um, masses of people is now in a relationship with the ruling party of the of the state, yeah. and I think like that just does not that doesn't track that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, if you think about it in terms of like what the function of a union is. Uh, they, they, there's a clear like conflict of interest there, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so, I, so I think there's a, I think part of the public um, opinion waning on, on unions in part also has to do with stuff like that. So in addition to what you mentioned, like the, you know, the, the inconvenience, the, you know, stopping services from happening, uh, filling the trains, filling the taxis, um, kind of clogging the city center when there's, when it's a protest day, stuff like yeah. that. There's also the other kind of like diplomatic political side of it. Um, because yeah. those politicians have business interests. And, and, and you know, like when Vavi was president of Kusati, Kusatu, when, when Zuelen Zima Vavi was uh, uh, president, he, he acted as a politician, not as a, yeah. not as a unionist. He was, he was there as, um, I don't know, he was there as a political figure more than, yeah. more than, a, than a figure that was uh, vested in the, the, in the interest of of working class people, I think he will yeah. say a lot of stuff that makes that makes sense to working class masses. But like, I think when it comes down to it, you can't be in bed with the ANC and um, also say that you are, you know, that you that your concern is with the black working class of the country. The majority yeah. is black working class of the country. Because that's what that's what the union should do. Above all, it should protect and act in the interest of who it represents. Um, and that is a massive conflict of interest if it's still in bed with the government or ruling party. Oh, yeah, man. Look, look, Kusatu is still a powerful body. They still have yeah. almost two million members, right? Like the the next the next uh 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 union down from them in terms of membership is I think Fedusa with like half a million. So like mm -hmm. Kusatu still has major pool and uh, you know major capacity to mobilize people. But I think so much of the discourse is uh, I don't know. I think it's like really worn out. I also think you know that a lot of these a lot of these people, and I'll say a lot of these guys, because most of them are, are old men, are like Marxist-Leninist in the very Marxist-Leninist sense of the word, that the proletariat will rise up. The ones that are serious unionists are like 
they serious unionists in that way and and they're very fixed in that way and i think there's a different way to be anti-capitalist and pro-black and pro-worker than just being a, a marxist leninist yeah that, that's uh, that hard really, line, yeah, that, that hard that, line doesn't make sense anymore you know it made sense in the kind of like it, revolutionary yeah. struggle moment on the continent but like where we are now i don't know it doesn't work with the reality yeah yeah we have to take lessons from it but we can't like we can't desire to adhere to that as an authority as authoritative like theory or something you know mm. like we have to we have to be able to to think further think deeper than and I, yeah than, that's i think my like you know you guys like you know that i'm i'm very much rooted into practicality of of things right and that's exactly what you said walton is that a lot of these things or niceties they like nice in speeches and written down and they had bearing and i think to go beyond that with having those type of um, ideologies and uh the, the, that type of politics as a core but then veer off like take it into the next part now is what's needed but they can't just keep talking like the rhetoric has, has, has been stagnated and like, okay, anti-capitalist, Leninist, Marxist, cool. That's where you come from. Now what? Like, and I suppose that's where like the EFF kind of took off from there is like practical, get jobs for the youth, get people earning, get, I mean, I have my gripes with them as well. So much so like, you know, but they saw a gap in the rhetoric and kind of went there um it's just like unions need to be more practical and um and and act in favor of of who they represent because i mean yeah so so i will say i will say like the the most interesting union for me right now is and I, and this is like my bias because of the research that i'm currently doing for the phd but there's a there's a, a black women's farm workers union in the in the western cape called uh, sikula sonke and they are like they i don't know i don't if i don't even know if they have like 2000 members or you know um yeah i don't even know if they have that many members but the mm. the fact that they are this like self organized um self actualized union of farm working women who are concerned with not just with labor conditions but the social conditions that are produced yeah. by the labor condition so like um you know the legacy of the top system um uh, domestic violence like they thinking about all of those things yeah um, and also just the fact that it's like black women founded black women led in a world that is so dominated by by old men of often times um yeah so i think there are ways in which unions are concerned with the black the uh, the practical and and lived experience of people but like i think these like the 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 massive massive unions are are more leaning towards being political parties than representatives of the constituents that they that that they say they represent so so my thing is like like tap into these tap into these smaller unions see what they're doing yeah. like from them and like try and transpose it to different situations um and you know see what see what comes there's a woman there's a woman in uh how uh, what what part of the western cape is this now anyway her name is magrita prince and she is the ship bro she she's like she's a long time farm laborer 
uh, her husband was a farm worker and she decided that she's just gonna take a piece of this boor's land mm. um, and plant her own vegetables and fruit because they were earning like less than 90 rand a day, like, no, yeah, less than 80 rand a day at one point, And then they got a raise to, mm-hmm. like, to like just over 90 rand a day. So, you know, they couldn't afford the bare necessities. So she was like, fuck that, there's a piece of land. I know there's a piece of land over there that's like just sitting there. I'm gonna take that and, and till it and plant my own fruit and vegetables there. And if you want to say something, then I'm going to cause cut. So they cause cut. They stay at a strike. They fucking in the durance. So like, uh, this was like- in Is 20- that what kicked it off when, the, when the, there was like heavy farm worker protests? That, that wasn't what kicked it off, but that was part of the discourse. What kicked it off was the violence that okay. being so yeah. acting on, on their laborers, um, you know, beatings and, and, and killings. And we, we, like, we know the story already, people being dragged behind buckies and all that shit. So that's what kicked it off, like escalated it, but uh, what sustained it was discourse around like farm workers rights and stuff like that. And she was one of the, one of the people. I can't, I, yeah. bruh, I can't wait to come home so I can go talk to her because I think she's fucking amazing. Seems like but the strongest yeah. unions, the, the, the most influential and strongest unions now are woman-led, which is great. And it's uh, something that should be noted by the bigger unions. Yeah. Need more women in these positions, actually. Yeah, yeah and I think I think it's like... I just, I just feel like the more I learn about mutual aid, the more I learn about direct action and stuff like that, you know, very like anarchist principles, but um, the more I learn about it, the more I see how those kinds of people, uh, like these women who self-organized on the, on the farms to like take pieces of land and make their own fa- like mini farms on, on their workplace, um, I don't know, like mutual, like this actual mutual aid happening in a very direct and real way. Yeah. Uh, not in a theoretical kind of abstracted sense of the, of the thing. So I don't know, I, 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 we must just, we just need to like pay attention to people and like take lessons from them as much as we can. I learn, think for us- Observe and you know, learn. Yeah. For the, the, the four of us who, who, who are also working towards collectively owning a piece of land, I think those people are the people that we're gonna need to be taking lessons from. And yeah. if, we, if we are gonna bring people in to work with us, not for us, but to work with us on the farm, then we have to be able to also say like, oh, you know, Masrita Prince, or oh, Sikula Sonke, they are the lessons that we can take from, from how they mobilized, organized, you know, radicalize their people. And this is how we can do it collectively as well to, to move forward. Because I feel like the assumption is always like, now nah, I have to look after me and my own, which is, yeah. which is like any sense to me. But, but that, that, that I never understood. You, uh, why, is it, why is it either or? Why is it not and? Right. Like, why is yeah. it? Are you Democrats or Republican? <laughs> or are you this or that? Why isn't I not saying you can be both? But what I'm saying is like, I need to look after me and my own. Okay, so does everyone else. But now you can also. Like, yeah. like and then and then who and they will look after you. Like, I don't understand this idea and how it got into our heads of <clears throat> this individualism push. To is like no, I must try and I'm doing this for just me and my family. I'm looking after me and my family. Yes, you I can. I mean, even just the just the just the idea of like a a, a living minimum wage, right? Like a, a living wage. If you if you think about it, like on the on the most basic level, a living wage means that I, me, the company, I make sure that my employee is able to pay rent, buy food for the family, pay electricity, water, whatever it might be, right? In the long run, 
does that not just cause a healthy ecosystem where I as a business uh, will succeed even further? Because that person will then have X amount of extra expendable income that is not necessarily savings that they can literally just blow on the month. They can buy this product, buy that product, whatever. They don't that have means to... that in the end, you, you get more money mm, back. I don't understand. It's a healthier, they will have a healthier family and won't have to count, uh, turn coins, turn cents to, for medical stuff. For like, like, and that's what I never understood as well. You want to say you were family. Okay, well, you feed your child just the basic nutritional requirements per day, the minimum nutritional, yeah. <laughs> minim, minimum nutritional wage, right? You know what I mean? You're not going to yeah. give them a bit of extra so they can have uh, enrichment right? You're going to teach yes. your child ABC because that's what they need to learn. You're not going to read them stories or like elaborate. And this is what I think when people say, oh, we, we're like a family, you're not treating people like family because family look not just what you need, but what can we give you that you can now grow and excel and like a feedback, like something as simple like universal basic income, um, livable wage, a livable wage where they, everything at home is taken care of and now they don't need to worry about shit at home to the point that they used to. And they will be better partners, employees. Uh, uh, they will actually have space in their psyche and in, and in their yes. mind and emotionally to now say, okay, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's taken care of. Okay, now I as a person, this seems like an organization where I can grow. And I yeah. smart this and I'm going to put in now. But right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. Right, you know, just to make an example of, of like our situation here in the States at, at Brown University. So we, you know, as, as PhD students, you're working like 60, 70, easy 80 hours a week because you work every day and like constantly, depending on your, depending on your program, you, you might be working more. If you like work in a lab, if you're in neuroscience, you might be working even more than that, right? Because it's it's uh, teaching responsibility, TAing responsibilities. It's your own writing and research. It's uh, all the other activities of the department and all of the you know conferences and all the shit that you have to do. So in essence, we are earning less than minimum wage uh, at at Brown University at like one of the top thirty wealthiest institutions in the USA at the moment and it just doesn't make sense like why would you want a miserable overworked underpaid population of people in your institution it just makes no mm -hmm. sense so like um we like our union did the did the maths on on how like how the pay is being broken down and they have these like brown justifies paying us the way they do by completely undervaluing how much like rent costs in providence how much groceries cost per month healthcare all of these things and people are like people you know i've made debt to pay medical mm. bills because the healthcare isn't comprehensive. It doesn't cover everything. So like my mental healthcare, for instance, hasn't been completely taken care of. So I had to like fork out money for like a two day hospital trip for treatment. I'm still in my third year, I'm still paying a bill from my first year because of their logic of like, no, it's enough money. They just grad work. They just grad students. They know, you know, they don't need that much. But it's like, bruh, we are literally earning less than what is considered the minimum wage. I, I, now that I, minimum wage isn't even doesn't even it's the minimum acceptable amount, but it's not the it's minimum legal. amount it's legal. to actually live in this country, right? It's legal. You can you can make rent in some states, but in most states, yeah, not a damn chance. Bro. I wanted to say that brings me to the next part. Just, okay, so you spoke about justifying paying grad students below minimum wage. How do organizations justify paying top management, a CEO, whatever, whatever, the amounts that they do? 
by that I mean like, do you like if I'm if I'm a CEO of a company, right? Say now I start a company, why automatically do I need to earn more? My expenses aren't more. My like what justify if it's like imagine they played played uh, sport like that. If you, where your your salary was determined not on your achievement or like your 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 skill, but on your position, right? So goalkeepers, literally, that's the that's the amount that you that you get. Like, why? Just because you at the top, that must you be at the top of the pay scale? Just because your skill set is different, like the whole organization revolves around the workforce. Without the workforce, you don't have an opera. You don't have um, an operation. So I'm saying is, do they justify it by saying he's more qualified? More qualified in what? Like he doesn't know how to weld, but we have 60, 70 welders in your workshop. Like your skill set is different. It doesn't mean that automatically you have to earn 20, 30 times more. It just means your skill set lies somewhere else leaders what they like to call themselves that when you lead it doesn't mean now all of a sudden you must be paid more that's just your skill set you have good leadership other yeah. people are good at following a directive and executing yeah that's it that's their skill set doesn't mean now what we've we've our society has put these people on the top because of of leadership attributes and then automatically attached monetary value to that the brow who was ex-CEO of uh, Spotify is now taking over Peloton, right? So they can replace CEOs. Your skill set is not unique. Your skill set's not unique, you know? So why justify like that pay scale based on, on, that, on that title? That meaning that title being so much more. Like the obviously you will earn more. I'm not saying there's a there's an issue with that. What I'm saying is that don't tell me you have to let go so many people, but you're still catching a bonus. And like yeah. that for me is like, oh, where's the family now? Sorry, guys. Sorry, kids. Uh, daddy got fired. Um, here's your bread and tea. Uh, I'll eat my KFC in the room. Sorry, man. It's only mm. a streetwise too, though. So you know times are tough. Like, mm. you know, <laughs> like what does what does the CEO do? Uh, um, solve problems that's all they do issues executive think, executive orders it's just like operations yeah that it's basically so it's, it's basically overse- the captain of the ship but doesn't mean so the ceo oversees the other chiefs right uh the yes the cfo is the chief financial officer cmo is the chief marketing officer cto is chief technology officer so depending on your company you would have those heads of those departments there and they will chat together and whatever um it's just decision making on a level that's the the buck stops with them so Mm. it's like decision making I've always viewed it as like a prestige position. Like it's only there for, to, to give value to the company, right? Like that's, that's like, it's a name brand thing. Like if I'm able to poach X person CEO, then it gives so yeah, much prestige but, to the company. Yeah, but it depends what company. You can start a company now and call yourself the CEO. If no, if mm. you can be CEO of, of uh, Andreek Limited Entertainment, what does that mean? Mm. But if you're CEO of Google, people know the like, oh shit, okay, you know, it's yeah. just, it's just, it's just, it's just uh, yeah. To respond to your initial, uh, your initial comment regarding this, Lee, I there's nothing that justifies these people earning the salaries, the salaries that they do. The president of the university where I'm at, Brown University, in 2018, her reportable income, this is what we know, what we're allowed to know, was over $1.2 million a year, Brown. Like, that's $100,000 a month. month. Like, you can buy a house every month month in South Africa for that money. Like, 
a lecker house every month for, for a whole year. That's a 1.4 mil house in South Africa. Times easy, four. easy. Easy. Look, yeah, okay, earn, earn that. Right? Sorry. She, in 2018, she was earning that. In 2018, graduate students were earning even less than we're earning now, like percentage-wise. What? Our, our raise, our raise never met inflation until like last year for the first time was last year was the first time our, our raise matched inflation and that's just because we unionized and like went completely ballistic with our, with our union work but I, it's like okay you want to earn like south africa ceo you want to earn what is that let's say two million a year but your top top brass are earning are still earning more or they got to increase. You can't say the company is not making a profit. Sorry, guys, we're going to have to like lay off some people or we're going to have to yeah. put you on short time. But the top guys are, are still taking their cut. If you're earning top and the rest of the employees are also earning above the rest, then okay. I don't care what you earn. I care what as a whole organization like what is the what's the lowest paying job in your organization? It's this much. Mm. Okay. Then, 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 fair. Then the money's the profits are being distributed fairly and accordingly. But I, th- um. and I think that's like a, such a bothersome thing about like you know market capitalism, free market capitalism mm. is that when these companies, you know, when these companies start tanking, their CEOs are still cashing bonuses, like uh, you know their chief of whatever yeah. and other, um, they're still cashing bonuses. Like when mm-hmm. Volkswagen was being sued by basically every country in the world for their carbon emissions uh, lies that they were telling, they were, you know, hemorrhaging money by the millions. Yeah. But mm-hmm. their guys, they laid off factories, closed factories, but these people were still making their bonuses because they knew the secrets bro (laughs) because they knew the secrets it's like because they knew what actually went down damn i read i read that's 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 what happened with our state-owned enterprises a few years ago like we were hemorrhaging money yeah hemorrhaging money but executives were still cashing bonuses i was about to say but i didn't know what yeah i waited for you for that one it was it was ridiculous like you had state-owned enterprises like escom and transnet that had that were tanking and were hemorrhaging money because they couldn't deliver services and they said yeah we need a cash injection x and y SAA but, is a prime example of this. My SAA. God. SAA, we need to let go of that thing. Imagine, a imagine you had a company, right? And no matter how badly you performed, you would always, you would never go out of business. Imagine the, the company. You, the the company, company wouldn't die, but you'd lay off employees. Yeah. The company wouldn't die. That's a, <laughs> that's a game of like yeah. monopoly. It's weird. It's weird, weird, weird. I read about this how company. You, how, do you, how do you guys feel about privatizing those things? Like having no. those entities privatized? No. It needs to be split up in sections. I, I don't fuck with privatization just because historically it's never been good for, for poor people. Uh, but I, I actually don't have a solution to offer no. if with the government that we have and any any state in the any state body that's gonna come after this current government is gonna be just a shit. Like I have no I have no, <laughs> I have absolutely no like regard for the next generation of ANC people, but also for yeah. the the current and next generation of DA people, the current and next generation of DA is dead. Those, those three are the only three that are like in the conversation in terms of mm. electoral politics. Yeah. And if any of them come into power, I don't I don't see how state state owned enterprises are going to thrive under any of them. I do know that 
the DA is like no, I was gonna talk, I was gonna be wrong. Not just the DA, the ANC also pushes for for privatization, like mm. constantly. Yeah, they, yeah, do they, do. More, they just do it in a less like overt way, I guess. There's a phone the factory are, that shut down now. Capitalists now, like you know. So there was a, a a a cell phone manufacturing company in South Africa that shut down last week. Um, it was the first so locally made cell phone. Government put in hundreds and hundreds of millions of rands into it. Um, they shut down after two years. Damn. It was a cash cow. I mean, how a- do you how do you how do you comp- the thing is how do you compete with Samsung, Huawei, and Apple? price that's the price was cheap price but just, very, yeah but i mean it was price very often is a is a tunnel for people if it's if it's too low people don't trust it but then we need to we need to stop with materialism and and branding and, and yeah but now that that's a whole other project lee that's yeah. like a, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like a whole our people you know, are cut materialistic me bro our people are jeez south africans are smart things i i was about to say i i i read a thing not so long ago about a company in 2000 in the 2008 financial crisis in the states one of the big companies. I will get. I'll get it to you um, later. Um, instead of they were they they were about to shut down, and they asked the CEO, "Okay, what do we do?" He's like, "There's only two ways we can survive now. We fire almost half our staff, right? Like over like three thousand people, or Ooh. or we all suffer together." So they asked him, "Right, what what does that mean?" It's like we're all gonna take voluntary unpaid leave six weeks you can take it anytime and that way we we save so the ceo six weeks is a shitload of money like so that gets redistributed you know what happened bro the most beautiful thing happened those who didn't need the money as much started giving their weeks to to colleagues bro how beautiful is that it's like wilton like a wilton can't take you six weeks off then i will say he can take my, he can take, bruh, <laughs> when you, when you allow the organization to organize itself, they know what's best for them. So they yeah. survived. They, they ran like that for two years. They survived. Mm. And he said, his six weeks wasn't so bad because he's had investments and, you know, and when he saw the people on the ground starting to hand over weeks to each other. Okay, you know, MK's mother is not so well. These kids, he can't be out of work. We Each one's going to pitch in and give days, weeks, whatever you can. Yeah. Um, he gave all his weeks away um, because he thought, shit, like he's out of touch with how people survive. When the company bounced back, bro, no one lost their job. Everyone was more productive because at the end of the day, they knew the company had their back. And, and that's what people mm-hmm. want. They just want like to know when the shit hits the fan, like, you know, protect us, like, or like give us an option or, or try your best. And um, that was unheard of. Like organizations weren't doing that because the first thing to do is trim the fat labor force. That's the biggest cost yeah. to company. Yeah. And they took a different approach and um, people got offered jobs from that company, they're like, nope, I'm staying here, but it's double the, it's double your salary. Nope, I, I will stay here. Yeah, bro. <laughs> like that is crazy shit, bro. I was also sorry. I just, I just thought of, uh, just as you're talking, I'm thinking more about Andrik's question about state-owned enterprises mm. or, or privatization, rather. And I wonder, like, I also, you know. To argue against myself regarding privatization, a lot of these state-owned enterprises are used as political playgrounds because there's vested interest by the state in those. There needs to be a mechanism whereby it is state-owned but independent of the state, and I don't know if that is plausible. That's happening with ESCOM right now. Private. Because here in the States, I am watching the tragedy of privatized uh, electricity and, and gas uh, companies, right? 
every few states has its own. In the Northeast, you have national grid. In Texas, you have whatever. In you know, yeah, in different and the like in Texas last year when the, when they had that cold snap, <laughs> yeah. the whole power grid shut down because it was a private institution that had no oversight, no government oversight, no inspection, yeah. no regulation, liable to nobody. So all this shit was outdated, people dying from freezing to death, right? It was the, one of the worst things to watch because it was so preventable, um, easily preventable. So I, like, I'm coming from that side of things, like in terms of my view on privatization, but I do think there has to be a mechanism for it to be both state-owned or rather overseen by state bodies or something like that. But it has to be independent of the state. It can't be a political play, playground every time. Yeah. The party wants to carry favor in elections or something like that. You know what I mean? But these bodies yeah, I mean, will only be as these bodies will only be as strong as the people who run it, bro. The people are influential yeah. as hell. Because I know they want to split ESCOM into three parts. Um yeah, a production, production, implementation, and distribution. So the mining, yeah. the, the 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 mining, the coal, that shit, the production. Yeah, the production, which is like turbines, like turning into electricity, yeah. putting it into the grid, and then number three, the distribution, the electric boxes, like how much people pay. Yeah, and one would be private, one would be government, and one would be I don't know. And each it's, it's a thing of checks and balances, like keeping everyone in check, different because you can't. How the hell you have one company that provides the entire electricity for a whole country? That's that's changing now, Lee. Yeah, I the, what, the independent power producers are, are becoming active and people are starting to buy electricity from them. Um, the city, the city of Cape Town now is planning, I think, in the next 10 years or so to I, I, I don't quote me on the numbers, but it could be about 50 50. Um, 50% ESCOM, 50% uh, independent power producers. And that's that was the plan that was announced, I think, just before Sona last week. And then on Sona, the president announced that um, the regulations or the, uh, the red tape for IPPs would become less. So people would be able to enter that market. You see, I don't, I, I don't know, but I don't know if I trust that in a segregated city like Cape Town, mm. independent power, like, what is that going to look like? What is that going to cost? Like, because there's one thing that they, one thing that they're saying that the price is going to be comparable or, or close or whatever, but like in reality, what is it going to look like? You know, what part of the city is that grid going to cover? Yeah. Are we have one part of the city lit up and another part of the city in darkness, you know, for days or whatever. Is it only for people who pay their rates? Or unemployed? Right. What happens to unemployed people? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like, what's going to happen? There is still that thing we... Okay, okay. One at a time, please. Thank you. <laughs> no, I was going to say, because there is still that thing where you, you are supposed to be allocated a certain amount of units per month, right? Hmm. Or is that just in certain areas? I don't know. I don't, I know. don't know how that works, bruh. I've heard about it. I've never seen it, like... Implemented, right? So how's it hmm. monitored, like... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You go collect five batteries. You go collect five yes. batteries a day <laughs> at the municipality. I think like we also need to give, like, you know, I think that we have people listening from like Germany and the States and whatever. And I think we like need to give people context also for the electricity crises in South Africa. But one of the crises is the fact that people have to steal electricity. They have to run cables from the from the main line, from the power poles to yeah. run a transformer and then like spread the electricity among you know, houses, shacks, uh, dwellings, etc. 
And like, we live in a country where, where people live in extreme excess and then just fucking abject poverty, bruh. Fucking like, like um, what they call that? Electricity is one of those things that like we uh, need to, I feel like we should be organizing around that more and more. Yeah, um, mm, it's like independent power providers are becoming a thing, but also you only need like I don't know six percent of the country's land in solar panels to yeah. power the entire country. So, are some you serious? Really, it's a small number. It's like yeah, less than bro. less than it's under ten percent. I think it's like around six or seven percent of the like land mass of the country you you would need to so you know you can pick a few spots in the eastern cape a few spots in Karoa, the bra, where the sun is out whether you know where you get enough sun for enough parts of the year and subsidize is come with that shit but i don't know bro you see but things There's like too that much money to be lost in cold, exactly There's There's too exactly. much money to be lost I was about to say it. Also, this fucking Russia relationship and the China relationship has us by the throat, bro. Bricks. Are we still in bricks? Are we still part of yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this was like an hour-long complaint session about working class rights and unions, bro. And access to resources. <laughs> yeah, to privatize or to not privatize, bro. I think tough, bro. Tough yeah, because think, on the I one hand, if you privatize, there's no regulation. On the yeah. other side, it's state-owned. If it keeps being state-owned, self-interest cronyism in effect. Yeah, and who suffers? The people. We need to figure out a different organizing model for um, large groups of people, um, other than. Other than the the way the state operates right now, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's it hasn't worked. It's not working. It's it's good in some senses, but it, like for the for the majority of people, life is extremely yeah. extremely hard in countries like South Africa and some and Mozambique. It's like Mad you know? Max, bro. It's, it's like it's very hard. If you have to struggle for like clean water or, you know, if you have to struggle for um, electricity or food or basic services, like having a toilet that works, not a fucking outdoor concrete shell thing that you must go use. At a government school, bro. Like, so my thing is like, you can just like how the state looks after their state run places you'll get in in a country where you get schools that are posh, bruh, like enriching. You get another, for every one of those schools, you get six or seven that is just bare bones. Like, you know, the disparities are, 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 and like, as we further new technologies and new innovation, that only becomes, that separation becomes larger and larger, I think. Because it'll only be for the few privilege that those technologies will benefit and the rest get left behind. Right. Steph, if, yeah. if you drive up to Salori's Pass, on the right-hand side of the road is Luanze. Directly, you know, a township, a sprawling yeah. township, with a, you know, a vital community of people, a healthy community of people, but a people that are struggling. Every winter there's floods, Every, yeah, fires. every season, the, the roof, the roofs blow off the school, the windows break everything. Across the road, there's a fucking random house, bruh. Or, you know, one yes. of those one of those corporation private schools, they have residences on the school property. It's it's just so gross. Aquatic center. Have you seen how high those walls are? Huh? Have you seen how high those walls are outside the school? Yeah. Bruh, looking like Israel up in that motherfucker. <laughs> Bruh, the one lighty, I remember reading the lighty asked, why do the kids that look like me go to this school and the other kids that look like that go to that school? A simple question, bruh. Oh, 
Uh, Why do kids who look like me come here and the other kids that don't look like me go there? This is primary school vibes. This is like grade one or two. Yeah. How do you explain yeah. that, bro? In a, in a, how do you explain that in a rainbow nation? How do you explain? That's why you unionize your primary school children, bruh. Yo. Go <laughs> back to the beginning of the school. You see me, continuity, bruh. <laughs> Just like a, a union of 12-year-olds, bruh. Uh, <laughs> to be the better. I wonder what they tell those ladies in, in schools like that, like in Redham and stuff, like, because they see it too. What do they teach them? Like... They should be told, like, you guys are going to be so well off in life. You are now have a responsibility. You see those ladies across the road? You need to help them in whatever position you make it in in life. Engineer, doctor, like, but it's, I don't, like, but why didn't you do that, dad? Like, why, why you want us to do it? Yeah, because we fucked up. It's up to you. Like, that honest conversation, that honest, like, we have wealth, we have resources, we fucked up. You kids now need to learn better. Like that is like as honest as it gets. <laughs> like, Why would they? Why would they? It's a, a, a what's what's the what's the purpose of wealth? It's to preserve it. Like yeah. why you, yeah. you 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 don't need to redistribute. Why yeah. why would you? You send your light into a private school not to get a good education because I mean the education that you get there is as good as public schools, right? You send your light into a private school like that to network. Yeah, plus to to preserve to preserve what you already have. That that's the point of them. I feel yes, sorry for sir. school kids, guys. I feel real sorry for school kids because that should be the the equalizer. That should be the thing that no matter what fucked up thing I come from, this is a way yeah. where I can I can but, come out. But with. sadly, in South Africa, it's never been that. It's never been an equalizing. No. State. The barriers, even university, really the, bro. That and public hospitals have been the places where you really learn the the segregation, the class separation and race segregation of of, of our country, man, bro. My uncle was in hospital for four fucking days, untreated, unseen, no doctor. First of all, they overworked. I don't blame the doctors. They are extremely overworked with COVID. But even on a even in a good year, they are overworked and understaffed, yeah. right? That man was laying in pain, bruh, suffering, didn't eat for four days. No medicine, Just, nothing, no drop. Like no. But he couldn't get a doctor, all because he was at a public hospital. If he was at a private institution, he would have at least seen someone, you know? And I feel like this is like the the like really the marker of um, where we are as a country in our, in terms of our struggle. It, like you have to look at how, the condition of schooling, the conditions of schooling and conditions of healthcare, because those are like, you know, the two major, two major players. Because it's like, okay, you can't afford private, you have to come public, you get what you get. Sorry. Yeah. Like well, where else are you going to go? Like, so if I don't see you, if you don't get your medicine, what, you tough luck. It's, yeah. it's gross, brah. Yeah. There's no alternative for anyone here, brah. It's, it's messy. It's caco, to be honest. Cryfontaine Day, Day Hospital is still lit, though, brah, I must admit. Of, of all the, of all the uh, pr- uh, public institutions that I've been in, like public care institutions that I've been in, I will say Stuckland is like... That's lit. Yep, it's one I've of the facilities that I've, that I've been into, like in terms of my mental health care, getting the care there was really top notch. I don't know how those people managed to keep that ship running because they also understaffed and overworked, but they do it. But then there's so much money unlocked in the budget, like for education, we have this much million this year. For healthcare, we have this much millions and everyone's like, wow. And then you're like, where, bruh? Where's the money? <laughs> like, you know, this much for relief, this much for COVID stuff. Like, when people say the country is poor or there's no money, I'm like, no, bruh. 
there's fucking enough money in South Africa. There's plenty. That's just um yeah, yeah I look before before we wrap up because mm. I I need to wrap up, but because uh, yeah. Sunday and I need to make lunch for me and my little family. But I will say like we I feel like we are we are doing you know not to like promote ourselves, but like we're trying to to do a project, a land project. Um, and I think that's our way of like getting into uh, like care work. And I think like Lee's education yep. project and Andrik needs to go. So I'm also gonna wrap it up. But I just wanna say like, you know, as I feel like if everybody has the capacity to do a little bit in their community, yeah. We can like slowly start building. Yeah. Um, and I think like you union education can be one part of that, but also like the general mutual aid work um, as a political kind of uh, philosophy. Yeah. But yeah. Definitely. I okay. think that's the future. We have to all do our bit. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying tuned to Jillian Custard Podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or requests for topics that we can discuss in future, please hit us on YouTube or on Instagram at JXE Podcast um, and on YouTube at Jillian Custard um, Podcast. We're also on Twitter. And if you find any of our pages, our links are there to follow. Uh, we'll be on tiktok soon we'll be on tiktok (laughs) soon with the tiktok master thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this episode cheers bye